Hello from Valley Baptist Church in Eureka, Montana. Valley Baptist Church is an independent Baptist church serving the greater Eureka, Montana area. Pastor Matt Schrepfer is the pastor. His wife, Juanetta, serves along his side. Welcome to our Christmas celebration 2023, everyone. Glad that you are here, and I am anticipating some others yet coming, but let's begin our time together singing 211. There's a song in the air, number 211. There's a song in the air, there's a star in the sky, there's a mother's deep prayer, and a baby's low cry, and the star rings its farewell, the beautiful sing, for the manger of Bethlehem, cradle king. There's a tumult of joy or the wonderful birth for the virgin sweet boy is the Lord of the earth. Oh, the star reigns its farewell, the beautiful sing for the manger of Bethlehem. King. We rejoice in the light, and we echo the song that comes down through the night from the heavenly throng. Oh, we shout to the lovely evangel they bring, and we greet in his cradle Savior and King. I'm going to ask Tom to come and read for us Isaiah 9, verses 2 through 7. Good morning, everybody, and Merry Christmas. The people that walked in darkness have seen a great light. They that dwell in the land of the shadow of death, upon them hath the light been shined. Thou hast multiplied a nation, but not increased the joy. They joy before thee according to the joy in the harvest, and as men rejoice when they divide the spoil. For thou hast broken the yoke of his burden, and the staff of his shoulder, the rod of his oppressor, as in the day of Midian. For every battle of the warriors with confused noise and garments rolled in blood, but this shall be with burning and fuel of fire. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. The government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace there shall be no end upon the throne of David and upon his kingdom to order it and to establish it with judgment and with justice from henceforth even forever. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Tom, for reading that. As you noticed in your bulletin that I put a simple title to this. I appreciate Tom reading it clearly for us. As God has a plan for Israel, and he does. He has had a plan since the days of Abraham, 4,000 years ago. God has made that nation, those people, promises. And he will fulfill those promises to them. 
Though they may have been a rebellious lot, the finger can point toward us too. We have been a rebellious lot. Their only hope is not in political treaties. Their only hope is not in military armament or high-tech strategies or even America as an ally. But their hope for spiritual, eternal, personal, and physical deliverance is only found in the acceptance of the one described in Isaiah 9, as Tom just read, their only hope. A son, verse 2, the people that walked in darkness have seen a great light. And in verse 6, for unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. It is only through the Son of God himself that they can receive spiritual light after having walked in darkness. Israel's only hope is to believe in the one described here in Isaiah 9, verses 6 and 7. And that son was fulfilled in our New Testaments in our Bibles, where light has come into this world. And we have been observing that at Christmas time for the last few weeks. He is their only hope, and yours and mine also. Our only hope is found in Jesus Christ. So it's only right that we sing, O come, O come, Emmanuel. He has come the first time. He will come again. 208 in our songbook.
You may open your Bibles to Psalm 95 and follow along. I'll just be reading a couple of verses, a few verses here. Psalm 95, verse 3, 4, 5, and 6. For the Lord is a great God and a great king above all gods. In his hand are the deep places of the earth. The strength of the hills is also his. The sea is his, and he made it. And his hands formed the dry land. O come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker. The ladies just sang, O come, all ye faithful. I put a little title to verse 6 here. O come, let us worship. He is worthy of our worship is a song that we sometimes sing, worthy of worship. Another song we sing is, O worship the king, isn't it? And there are many others. But at Christmas time, many of our Christmas carols declare the Lord Jesus has the right to exclusive worship. Do we think of it that way? Exclusive worship, we must. Psalm 95 verse 5 says, He is our maker The one born in Bethlehem in a stall is the king and maker of all of us. He made us. He has the right to receive our worship. The Magi, the wise men in Matthew chapter 2, came in part to show us the way, to give us an example in worship. Joshua will be playing We Three Kings on the piano.
Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and have come to worship him. When Herod the king had heard these sayings, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. So they said to him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet. And thou, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not the least among the princes of Judah. For out of thee shall come a governor that shall rule my people Israel. Then Herod, when he had secretly called the wise men, determined from them what time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the young child. And when you have found him, bring back word to me that I may come and worship him also. When they had heard the king, they departed, and lo, the star which they saw in the east went before them, till it came and stood over where the young child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. And when they had come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary his mother, and fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented gifts to him, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And being warned of God in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed into their own country another way. Now when they had departed, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream, saying, Arise, take the young child and his mother, flee to Egypt, and stay there until I bring you word, for Herod will seek the young child to destroy him. When he arose, he took the young child and his mother by night and departed for Egypt. And was there until the death of Herod, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying, Out of Egypt have I called my son. Then Herod, when he saw that he was deceived by the wise men, was exceedingly angry, and he sent forth and put to death all the male children who were in Bethlehem, and all its districts from two years old and under, according to the time which he had determined from the wise men. Then it was fulfilled what was spoken by Jeremiah the prophet, saying, In Ramah, where was there a voice heard, lamentation and weeping and great mourning, Rachel weeping for her children, and would not be comforted, because they are not. Now when Herod was dead, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt, saying, Arise, take the young child and his mother, and go to the land of Israel, for those who sought the young child's life are dead. And he arose and took the young child and his mother, and came into the land of Israel. But when he heard that Archelaus was reigning over Judea instead of his father Herod, he was afraid to go there. And being warned by God in a dream, he turned aside into the region of Galilee. And he came and dwelt in a city called Nazareth, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the prophets. He shall be called a Nazarene. Lord blesses the reading of his word. As those men read that, I would suppose some of you noticed how many times A prophet was mentioned, and the fulfillment was stated just in Matthew chapter 2. Tomorrow, I challenge you to read it again and think about that. How many prophecies were fulfilled just in Matthew chapter 2? 
Last few weeks, I have been preaching sermons about the miracles of Christmas. And there are many. And I'm not focusing on the secular view of miracles around Christmas, but Bible, what the Bible says. And the first one that we looked at a couple weeks ago is the miracles of prophetic proclamation. Isaiah and others, and here today, once again, we see those fulfilled, and Jeremiah was another one of those prophets. The second was miracles of preparation, how God brought to Zacharias and Elizabeth a baby boy named John that God named John, and it was miraculous. He was the one to prepare the way before the Lord, and he certainly fulfilled his responsibility throughout the New Testament Gospels. And then we looked at the miracles of parentage, the Holy Spirit, Mary, and Joseph. All were surrounded by miracles in regard to bringing a baby into the womb of Mary that would be a God-man the God-child that was born perfectly God, 100%, and yet perfectly human through Mary as well. Then we looked at the miracles of protection. He was to be born on this wise. We looked at that. And without sin, how did that happen? It was miraculous. Then we looked at miracles of prophecy fulfilled in the genealogies. Remember, there were many that were fulfilled. There was even an incredible account where one of the kings of Judah, Jeconiah, was, had received, because of his wickedness, a blood curse. He could no longer be the lineage from David to the Messiah. How did God solve that problem? By Mary. Mary's genealogy does not include Jeconiah. And the royal rights that he had to the throne of David and the royal rights to worship. He was worshipped by poor shepherds. He was worshipped, as the men just read, by wealthy wise men. One thing that stood out as I read this account the last week several times over is that when they brought uh, to him to worship him, they had opened what we think of gifts. They opened their treasures, and they were treasures. They were wealthy, wise men. He was worshipped in the temple at eight days old by Simeon and Anna. He was worshipped by angels throughout the Christmas account. In Luke chapter 2, we'll be looking at that tonight. The angels... And then the shepherds, of course, and Nicodemus later on, and eventually, of course, his disciples. He was worthy of worship, and there were many miracles that led up to that. Today, I promised last week that we would look at miracles of provision. In this account that the man just read for us in Matthew chapter 2, those wise men, or magi, were Gentiles, who knew the Hebrew scriptures. I know taken alone, that may not seem like much, but when you put it together with the rest, it's incredible. It's a miracle. These Gentiles lived a long ways away. It may have taken them up to two years to get to Bethlehem. When they found the Lord Jesus... He wasn't in a manger, in a stable, was he? He was in the house, as the man just read, verse 11. And when they were come into the house, they saw the young child. The Greek words for young child have to do with a toddler. No, it took them a while to get there. They traveled from afar, as the song goes. It was a miracle that they knew the Hebrew scriptures. How did they learn that? Well, we surmise maybe through men like Daniel, and yet we do not know. It's miraculous. 
And then they saw the star. They saw the star, not a star, the star. Why didn't other people see that star? We don't know. Maybe because of faith. And yet, they followed that star for about two years. And there were not just three wise men or three kings, as we often sing. Their presence, maybe their number, we don't know, but their presence cast great fear into Herod and all Jerusalem. Did you notice that as the men read that? It was not just a few. It was a large caravan, most likely, that cast fear into Herod and all of Jerusalem. And they came to worship the king of the Jews, the Messiah, and the Savior. And likely, because they did that, they exercised a faith that is beyond the norm. They likely were saved individuals. They were redeemed through faith in God's promised Messiah and Redeemer. And they came to worship the King of the Jews. Interesting. They had their own religious systems back where they came from, and yet they recognized this as different and unique and the real thing, the authentic faith that they must follow. They rejoiced when they got to Bethlehem. Did you notice that? And they fell down and worshipped. We sing a lot about worship and talked about it a few moments ago briefly. The Greek word is praskuneo, and it means prostrate. They fell down. Worship is not a form of music. Worship is not mood lighting. Worship has to do with our attitude and our posture before the almighty God of the universe. These men, they were wealthy. They were above the norm in regard to their education, and yet they fell down and worshipped this little child in the house in Bethlehem. Then they presented their gifts, those treasures, if you will, in verse 11. Gold, of course, is a fitting and normal gift for a king. King Solomon gave it. King Solomon received it. This gift of gold was fit for a king. That is the first one mentioned. It was given by these great men from far away in the east. Frankincense was another of the gifts that were given, and it is fit as a valuable incense in which... God commanded to be used in worshiping him. So it is an act of worshiping God in the tabernacle and in the temple. For example, in Exodus 30, verse 4, and Leviticus 2, verse 2, they burnt on the altar of incense, frankincense, before the veil, which on the other side of that veil was the Holy of Holies, where the Ark of the Testament, or the Ark of the Covenant, was set which had the mercy seat on top and two golden cherubim covering that mercy seat. It was an act of worship when these wise men gave to the Lord Jesus a gift of frankincense. It was an act of worship for God. They recognized him as God. A miracle. Yes, they recognized him as king, and fittingly so, and yet worshipped him as God with frankincense. That in itself is miraculous, and yet it's right. And then myrrh, of course, was one of those resins attained from a thorny tree in Arabia and used for embalming because its bitter properties and preservation would make the embalming process one where it was the body was preserved for many years to come. It was fitting, really, for the Lord's burial about 33 years later. These are all miracles, by the way, and the value may have sustained Jesus and Mary and Joseph 
while they were in Egypt until Herod died. How long that was? Apparently about two more years. How would they be able to live while in Egypt? Well, these gifts were part of God's provision for them, a miraculous part of that provision. And I realize we surmise that, and we need to take it as such. And yet it is likely a way that God sustained the family while in Egypt until Herod died. And these were gifts of faith. These were gifts of worship and provision orchestrated by God. A miracle. God's miracle, just in provision. And by the way, he's provided all that is needed for you and for me as well. If we accept him by faith. Let's wonder about that as the men's ensemble comes and we sing, I wonder as I wonder. So I wrote this several years ago to try to get some kind of a perspective around the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ uh, to save me individually from my sin. You might have to Google cesspool if you don't know what that is. Okay. Into the cesspool of the world of man came Christ Jesus, the great I am. I, the worthless coin, was lost, and my salvation would be the greatest cost. For unto me was born that day Jesus, God's only Son, the only way. God himself would pay the price 
the Son of God became sin's sacrifice. The Holy, 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 Begotten One upon the Christ would make salvation's work done. For unto this worthless coin salvation was given, the gift of God, eternal life in heaven. Yes, into the cesspool of life Christ Jesus came, and this dark world would never be the same. The light of glory would dwell among men. Upon himself, he would take all of man's sin. No greater price could ever be paid when for sinful man Christ's life was laid. One worthless coin was I that day, but Christ redeemed me, and now priceless I'll stay. Yes, I believe, for the message is clear, eternally lost, except God came near. And we have 10,000 hallelujahs to sing. shimmer round the babe in silence the shepherds gaze in wonder at the sight the angels look to heaven to receive their Lord's command then ten thousand hallelujahs Fill the sky Ten thousand hallelujahs Explode across the sky Ten thousand hallelujahs Exalt his name on high Our God shall reign forever The host of heaven sings Ten thousand hallelujahs Ten thousand hallelujahs Ten thousand hallelujahs Will crown him king of kings The Savior struggles up the hill of Calvary. The soldiers scoff and coldly watch him die. The host of hell rejoices as he suffers on that tree. Then a mighty, it is finished, fills the sky. Ten thousand hallelujahs explode across the sky. Ten thousand hallelujahs exalt his name on high. Our God shall reign forever. The host of heaven sings Ten thousand hallelujahs Ten thousand hallelujahs Ten thousand hallelujahs Will crown him king of kings This time of year, it is on the minds of nearly everyone, and that is giving. And I realize many of you are looking forward to giving to others and even receiving. You know, the gifts of the wise men that we've just heard about is an important part of the Christmas story. The gold, frankincense, and myrrh were gifts. In our Bibles, we find the word give or giving or gift 
and similar words occurring at least 2,100 times. We may even ponder more often than normal the things we have been given. Among the many we consider, surely our husband or wife, other family, our great church family and friends ought to be included. And some may think of their children, and surely they are given to us by God. Psalm 127 verse 3 says, Lo, children are an inheritance of the Lord, and the fruit of the womb is his reward. Others may consider the hard work that they have done and think of the good things they have earned. And in reality, even that whole process is a gift of God. I know that sounds odd. We don't earn a gift, do we? But the process is, Ecclesiastes clearly tells us, and also that every man should eat and drink and enjoy the good of all his labor, it is a gift of God. In another place it says, Every man also to whom God hath given riches and wealth, and hath given him power to eat thereof, and to take his portion, and to rejoice in his labor, this is the gift of God. Surely there are provisions of many kinds from our great Lord and Savior that are gifts to us. Let's consider a few. The gift of Christ himself. Jesus said to the woman in Samaria in John 4, If thou knewest the gift of God, and who it is that saith to thee, Give me to drink, thou wouldest have asked of him, and he would have given thee living water. It was a gift from God himself to come into this world in the person of Jesus Christ. So Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians 9.15, and many of you write that on your Christmas cards every year, Thanks be unto God for his unspeakable gift. It's unexpressible. And that would be Jesus Christ. It should cause us to ask the question, why is he a gift? Why is Jesus a gift? Well, part of the answer lies in another question. Why did God give his only begotten son? Why did he give him? John 3 verse 13 says, And no man hath ascended up to heaven, but he that came down from heaven, even the Son of Man which is in heaven. In Luke 5 32 it says, I came, Jesus said, I came not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. In Luke 9 10, For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. That's why he came. Of course, Jesus said in John 10 verse 10, I am come that there they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. Yes, Jesus Christ came to save us from our sins and to give us a new life that is more wonderful and abundant in every way. What a gift. We need to understand the greatest gift of all is Christ and the salvation that he gives us. Secondly, the gift of salvation from sin. Yes, we know that all of us sin, we commit some offense before the perfect holy God of the universe. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. But praise the Lord, there's Romans 5.8 also, which says that God commendeth his love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And so Christ's punishment on the cross was the punishment that we deserved. We could not do it. We could not pay the price, only suffer the punishment. But God could pay the price, and he did. What a gift. Ephesians 2.8 says, For by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, lest any man should boast. The gift of eternal life. I asked our granddaughter Shelby when she was a little girl, What is the gift God's given us? And Shelby rightly answered, Eternal life, Grandpa. And then she told me, John 3.16, and you know that, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. That's a great gift, of course. I told her she was exactly right. That's only a grandpa thing to do. In Romans 6.22, the Bible says, But now, being made free from sin and become servants to God, ye have your fruit unto holiness and the everlasting life. 
or the end, everlasting life. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. It's fitting and right that God has given us, that is those of us who believe, what he calls eternal or everlasting life. It is just that. It's eternal. It is a gift that does not get broken. (laughs) It does not wear out. It doesn't take batteries. It doesn't need to be charged. It cannot be exchanged for a better one. It nev- it's never outdated. It will not be stolen or lost. When I was a boy, my brother Pete down at, happened to see an old Hen- un- Uncle Henry knife that was on sale at Snappy's Sports Center in Kalispell. And he wanted that Uncle Henry knife so bad he asked my parents for it for Christmas. We were eating dinner, and I remember Pete saying, and Dad, it's guaranteed for life. Even if I lose it, it's guaranteed against loss. And my dad said, there's no such thing. I remember Dad saying that at the dinner table. And Pete said, uh-huh, Dad, it's guaranteed against loss. And Dad said, there is no such thing. If that's true, and we're going to find out, I'll buy you a dozen of them. <laughs> Guess what? There, there was a provision against loss. Of course, you had to take it to a notary and sign an affidavit that you did legitimately lose it, but they'd give you a new one. I'm sure you paid for that right up front. Did my dad buy a Pete a dozen knives? No. <laughs> they worked it out, though, and I still remember that. It was guaranteed against loss of all things. However, what we've been given really can't be lost. It can't be lost in any fashion. I'm so glad for that. Romans 11.29 says, For the gifts and calling of God are without repentance, old King James says. It can't change. God gives us gifts that he'll never take back, that'll never be lost, that are eternal. Thank him for those at Christmas time. I trust that you have a wonderful Christmas together. James 1.17 says, Every perfect gift, every good gift and every perfect gift cometh down from the Father of lights, in whom is no variableness nor changing. Isn't that great? Thank him for that at Christmas time. Let's sing Joy to the World. Everybody stand. 199 and we'll sing Joy to the World.
today and Christmas tomorrow, and I'm looking forward to the candlelight service tonight. You've got to be here, everybody. Valley Baptist Church has multiple services. Sunday school is at 9.45 a.m. The morning service is at 11 a.m. The evening service starts at 6 p.m. There's also a Wednesday night Bible study at 6 p.m. Additional men and women Bible studies are also conducted on a regular basis. Other activities include monthly potluck meals, monthly men's breakfasts, and much more. Valley Baptist Church is located at 64627 Highway 37, and that's in Eureka, Montana. Our phone number is 406-889-3134. Thank you for joining us for this audio sermon.